It's their first time to be here, and they just uh, felt the presence of God. And, and I don't even know, uh, we didn't get into a whole conversation of their background and different things so much, but uh, just what God was doing in their heart and life, they said, I'll be back next week. So uh, if you're new here today, welcome, and uh, glad to have you with us. And uh, also wanted to let you know about a couple of things before we get into this message series. Uh, For those of you who are new, we kind of take a topic and go through a portion of the Bible or a particular topic of the Bible and relate it to everyday life. And we'll talk about that for about four or six weeks, sometimes three weeks, whatever. And uh, so this time for three weeks, we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy and what uh, Paul had to say to Timothy. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, I want to tell you about our Peru missions trip. We have 12 people going to Peru in June. We're going to build a church down in that area of the world. Uh, Once again, the second time we've done something like this in Peru. And so we're excited to do it. We have 12 people who have committed themselves to about $2,500 to go on the trip. And so here's the deal. If you're not a goer, you can be a sender, all right? And so we need some senders that maybe you couldn't get off work, you couldn't go with us or whatever, but you can be a sender. You can help us with this trip. We've already sent down uh, this week $10,000 to help with construction costs for this project And then in addition to that, we have other costs of the trip and supplies to get and things like that that we're going to be taking down with us to help them and to bless them. And so you can be a part of that. And so this week already, as of today, even, uh, you can give online. And I know many of you already give online And it's a growing number of people who give online at Crossroads. And so uh, today, uh, even from your seat, uh, you could give to Love Peru 2018. So it's called Love Peru 2018. And if you give online, you'll be able to see that and be able to uh, donate. If everybody at Crossroads would donate $10 at least, it would more than meet the needs. So... um, If you can do more than that, then go ahead. Feel free to do that. But uh, it would really make a difference if you could be a sender if you're not going on the trip. So uh, participate with us. Be praying for Peru and what God's going to do there. Also, April 1st. Does everybody know what day that is? Yeah, it's Easter. I'm glad you didn't say April Fool's Day. Uh, I was wondering if that was going to happen. You guys are smart. Uh, It is April Fool's Day, but it's Easter, no fooling, all right? It is Easter, April 1st, and so uh, that is the date of Easter this year, and it's going to be an incredible day uh, here at Crossroads. There are cards available. There should be uh, those around. If If you say, well, I don't know where a card is around me, you probably need to reach under yourself there maybe and uh, you might find the cards. So uh, the cards were on the seats and so those are to help you to get out the good news. When Jesus was resurrected, he said, go tell people about it. 
And so they did. And so we know that that tomb is still empty, don't we? We know that Jesus is still alive and doing quite well. And that he is working in the world today. And I believe if you'll bring one person, I think everybody at Crossroads, all of us, myself included, all of us, our staff, everybody, I believe we could all bring one on Easter, don't you? I think all of us know one. We, and if you don't, you need to get out more often. So uh, to, to know one and, and to bring one with you on Easter Sunday. And here's what you know and here's what I know is if you'll bring somebody who doesn't know Jesus on that Easter Sunday, the presence of God and through the preaching of God's word, the chances are extremely, extremely good that they will come to know Jesus on that Easter Sunday. Am I not right? And so you need to do all you can. I need to do all I can. If we all do all we can to bring somebody here on Easter Sunday. So be praying over that card. Carry it with you wherever you go. Don't leave home without it. Uh, Make sure that you reload next week if you give all those out. And uh, help us to get the word out that Jesus is alive through our Easter Sunday services. And I believe it's going to be an incredible, incredible day. So help us to do that. We'll be talking about it for the next four weeks. And how that God can use us all to reach someone else. I think that's it on the plugs, all right? So uh, let's get into the three-part series. I'm excited about this. Paul talked to Timothy through a letter, okay? We call these in the church world books. I grew up hearing about turn to the book of 1 Timothy or whatever. But they're not really books. Uh, It's a compilation of different writings. And this one happens to be, that we're going to look at for the next three weeks, a letter that was mostly written to a person. Paul, the great apostle Paul who wrote about half or over half of the New Testament, writes this letter to young Timothy, who is like a son in the faith, he calls him. He is a protege. He is someone that he has mentored. He is someone that he has left in charge of a great church in Ephesus. And so young Timothy is a young pastor in this church And so he writes to him about don't give up, don't quit, don't give in. It's too soon to give up. Don't you dare throw in the towel, Timothy. You be sure you keep going on. God's got something good for you. You, you, Instead of giving up, you go up and you just take hold of God and all that God has for you. And I believe that message is going to ring true in your heart and life over the next three weeks that God is going to speak to you about don't give up, don't give in, go up with God, grow in Him. God has something great for your life. God has something that He wants to do through you. He has purpose for you. And I believe over the next three weeks, God's going to help us to convince everybody here of that. You ready for that? Five of you. You ready? All right. All right. All right. That first service, man, that first service, let me just tell you something. They had a high octane coffee or something this morning. I mean, they were, they like to preach me to death. All right. In that first service. So it, it was crazy. So anyway, I hope you're all with me here. It gets better if you get better. 
All right, so God has a calling for your life. Everyone has one. Turn to the person next to you, say, everyone has one. Everyone has one. They do, not just a belly button, all right, or whatever. It, it, we have a calling from God. And, uh, you know, but, but sometimes we get messed up with this, and, and it gets out of focus uh, of what really God has for us in this area. And, and I would relate it to, like, I wear contacts. So uh, if I were to take out my contacts up here, you guys would be fuzzy, all right? And the further away you are, the fuzzier you get. And so I wouldn't even know uh, who's sitting in different places because it would be fuzzy. And the same thing comes when we don't have our spiritual contacts in and, and we don't see what God has for us in this area of calling of God. But here's what we're going to discover over these next three weeks is if we'll step into our calling, if we'll step into the calling that God has for us, we can live our lives on point. We can live with divine destiny and purpose in our lives. Now, what does it mean to live in our calling? Because there's a lot of people who live in doubt, who live in fear, who live in confusion, who self-doubt, who feel disqualified, uh, who, who doubt that God can use them. But here's the first thing I want you to get is that we are called mostly to someone, okay? More than being called to something. A lot of times we, we look at things and we say, you know, what, what's God want me to do? Well, it's more, who is God calling me to? He's calling me to himself. God is our priority. And in Timothy, uh, Paul writes this letter to this individual, to this apprentice, to this young man at this church. And he may have been struggling. And he uses a term for him here in this very first section of, of scripture in verse 6 he refers to Timothy as a man of God now why that's significant is it's the only time in the New Testament that the word for man of God is used now for me that's incredible I guess not for you though so um <laughs> It impacted me, but you, okay, let me help you. It's the only time in the whole New Testament that somebody's referred to as a man of God. But listen to this. Let me kind of pair this up. 75 times in the Old Testament, man of God is used. But it's only used for five people. That word is only used on five people. You ready for who it's used on? It's used on Moses, it's used on Samuel, it's used on David, and it's used on Elisha and Elijah. That's it. And then Paul uses it and says, Timothy, you man of God, you. I love that, don't you? He calls it out. He just calls out the greatness in his life. And, and, and why this is important is because you need to hear what God says about you. 
instead of what people say about you. Because Timothy was in a challenging situation because how many of you know people? Right? Do you know people? And Timothy is pastoring this church and the people in this church are talking smack about him. They're talking about him like, I think he's a little too young. He's a little too wet behind the ears. You know, there's sometimes I don't get much out of his sermons. You know, I I wish we had somebody that was a little bit sharper maybe than he is. And, you know, I I don't feel like he always meets my needs uh, when I come to church. And so Timothy is wrestling with all of this. And Paul speaks into this and calls him out and says, no, you are a man of God. And look at this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, pull it up for us. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. Because let me tell you something, folks. God will give you the strength to do his work. He will give you the strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me, we'll come back to that, to serve him even though I used to blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ. He, he blasphemed the name of God. But Paul says, you know, but in spite of all this, in, in spite of all this I've done and, and everything in a moment here, he says, But God stepped in and changed my life. I don't know about you, but I love those two words together in the Bible. But God. We were going down, but God. We were afflicted, but God. We felt persecuted, but God. We felt abandoned, but God. We felt like failures, but God. How many of you have had a but God moment where God said, uh-uh, not today, not here, not now. And Paul, and some of us can feel this way, we feel disqualified. We feel unqualified. We feel like, you know, who am I that I could be used of God? I'm sure there's people here who are called. Craig, you're probably called and whatever and all that. But I I don't think I, I could be called by God. And Paul says, hold the phone. If anybody ought to be disqualified. If anybody ought to be put out to pasture, if anybody ought to be, if God, if you lined up all the people that could be used by God, you put them in single file, I'd be at the tail end, Paul says. And yet, but God stepped in and his mercy was active in my life. Paul knew all about the mercy, the grace of God because God looked down and saw Paul not as he was, not as he used to be, but as what he could be. And the same God looks down today and he doesn't see you by what other people see you as. He doesn't see you 
you by what you did five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and people keep reminding you of or whatever in your life. He doesn't see you as you were five days ago. He sees you as what you can be with the power of his spirit on your life. So here's, here's what he does. See, you guys get me fired up in this service too. All right, Let, let's do this. Let's do this. Here, here's the first thing you need to check is check the caller ID, right? You got to check the caller ID. How many of you, when a call comes into your house, if you still have a landline, you check the caller ID? Now, now I remember when we used to have this machine, tape machine, and, and we didn't have caller ID, but we had this answering machine, and what we'd do is it would beep, and then a message would play. You couldn't hear the message, but it would play. This is the White's home. Uh, please leave a message after the beep or whatever, and then you'd hear the beep, and then this person would say, hey, this is your mom. Pick up. I know you're there. Come on, pick up the phone. You remember that? You kids, some of you kids are like, what? Seriously? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, that's what we did. And so we would decide whether or not we were going to pick it up or not uh, from that. But now we got caller ID. We don't have to do that. We, we just look at the number and just click and, and send it on to voicemail or whatever we want to do. How many of you know that there are a lot of calls coming into your life, right? There's all kinds of calls. There's calls of school. There's calls of extracurricular activities. You know, and as a parent, you may feel called to be the taxi driver of your house, you know? And like everybody going everywhere and, you, you know, all this stuff going on. And, and then your, your boss needs some of you and your spouse is wanting something. And, and then you'd like to work out and you'd like to do something healthy for yourself. And you got all these ambitions. And there's a, I mean, there's a lot of calls coming in, right? There's a lot of calls coming into your life. And a lot of things call out to us, but there's nothing more important, folks, than the call of God on our lives. God's call to us. And here's what Timothy says, he's, or what Paul says to Timothy. Pull that scripture back up for me. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy, appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Paul says, I was appointed by God. God separated me out. This is not the only time Paul talks about this. He talks about this in other writings. I just feel like God had something for me. I didn't even know he had anything for me. I didn't even want what he had for me. I wasn't even heading in that direction. But I just know that God, who he is, that he, he saw something in me. He saw something in my life that nobody else saw. I didn't even see it. You know, and, and this word for appointed is the same word that you would use for maybe a bricklayer or even more especially for an artist. Okay, so you have an artist that approaches a canvas 
And, and they come to that canvas, and they don't just see a blank canvas, do they? An artist, you know, sees maybe a sun setting, sees a mountain range, sees trees, sees a river flowing, different things on that canvas. And then they take that, that, that uh, paintbrush, and they begin to dip it. And the next thing you know, you start seeing a tree, right? You start seeing a sunset. You start seeing a mountain. It wasn't there before, but they saw it ahead of time. And, and see, it's like when somebody says, well, who did that work? Who, who, who's, who's the artist? And somebody says, oh, that's Picasso. That's a Picasso. You say, whoa, wow. Like, he's a master. He was a master. You know, that, that's, worth, that's worth a lot of money then. Let me tell you something. You may look at your life like it's blank. You may look at your life like it isn't much. But you're not what's important. What, what, what you say is not as important. What other people say about your canvas is not as important as what does the true artist, the true creator of the heavens and the earth. And when he looks down and he takes his brush and he begins to stroke across your life and other people say, well, that looks like a mess. That doesn't look like it's going to be anything at all. And they just say, just keep watching, keep watching. All right. Because here's what God does. God will even take the mistakes that you make. God will even take the mishaps. God will even take the misjudgments because he's already factored it in to his masterpiece of what he wants to create in your life. What's important is who is the artist. It's not you. It's not about the canvas. It's about the artistry of God in your life. And God's touch on your life, Paul says, that's what you want. Because I'm telling you, out of everybody, I felt unqualified. I felt disqualified. But how many of you know God qualifies the called, right? He qualifies the called. When he calls you to do something, he qualifies you for it, and he empowers you to do it. But I know calling can get confusing, what do we mean by that? Well, broadly, let me just give you this. It's to respond to all that he is with all that you are. You just respond to all that he is with all that you are. So think of it this way. Write this down if you're taking notes about our primary calling. Let's look at our primary calling. Uh, I, I want to walk you through three areas of calling this morning. The first area is this primary call. And let me tell you something. Everybody's called to this. Everybody's called to this. And it's to believe in Jesus and to surrender each day to him. See, if you just do that, if you just believe in Jesus, surrender each day to him. It's like what we were singing a while ago about, you know, I want... All of you, I, I want, you know, I'm ready now, Lord. I'm ready now. And, and that's saying, I surrender all to you, all to Jesus. I surrender, I surrender all. And, and so, uh, you know, a lot of us, though, we're like, yeah, but should I date her or not? 
Yeah, but, you know, should I marry him or not? Or should I take this job or that job? Or should I stay where I am? Should I move? Should we sell our house and buy this other house? What, what should we do, God? And here's the big deal of what God, I believe, would say to you today. The first thing you need to do when you get up every day is to believe in Jesus and surrender that day to him. Okay? Because if you'll do that, the other stuff just has a way of working out. Because what happens is, is when you surrender your day and you believe in your heart, you have faith for him, then let me tell you something. You enter into an adventure with God. And God begins to partner up with you with the power of his spirit working in your life. And when that happens, anything can happen. So you got to get first things first. You put your faith in him and surrender. Look at what John says. Pull that scripture up for me. Jesus told him, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Believe. That word, again, carries with it the thought or the idea of surrender. We used to sing a song when I was growing up in church. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Now, those are dangerous lyrics. I don't think most people had a clue what they were singing, you know? Because <laughs> most people didn't leave where they were. <laughs> Just stayed put. But, but what you're singing is, I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll do whatever, you know? And, and it's a simple, simple surrender. It, it's not simple in doing it, but it's clear. It's clear what God wants. God wants us just to surrender to him and begin this adventure with him. And, and when you go on an adventure with God, it's incredible. Now, let me just bring it to reality. When, when you die, okay, just hang with me for a moment. When, when you die, here's what's going to happen. I've shared this before, and it's just a fact. When you die, they're going to take you somewhere wherever you designated or they designated where you're going to go and you're going to be and whatever, and then everybody's going to come back to the church or somewhere and eat potato salad. Okay? That's just how it works, all right? That's just how it happens. And so, so what happens is, is you may have kids that remember you, and you may have grandkids that have remembrance of you, and maybe some would have great grandkids that would be able to remember them. But after that, it's, it's pretty much gone. And if, if you don't believe in God, that's it. And at most, you could hope that somebody writes a Wikipedia page or something about you or whatever that's out there somewhere. And that's it, right? And, and that's it for us. Now, Aren't you glad you came to church this morning at Crossroads? Have I just built you up? So, Okay, now hang with me. That's all there is if you believe there's no God. There's no God, then that's it. But if you believe that there's a God, and the God of the Bible says, I remember, I have a good memory 
And so when you come into the kingdom, here's what he does. He remembers everything everybody else forgot. He remembers everything. He remembers the time you helped somebody out. He remembers the time, oh yeah, uh, uh, you know that time when, when you thought about, well, I think I'm getting a headache. It's not quite there yet, but I'm working on it. And, and so, you know, maybe I'll just not go to church today. And then you decide, well, no, maybe I should, I'll take something. And, we'll see. and you took a faith booster. That's what I call them. Uh, kind of helps my faith to believe I'm going to get over this headache. And so you, you take a faith booster and, and you say, you know what? We are going to church. We are going. Load up the car. Everybody in. We are going to church. And, and so, or, or maybe that Sunday when you thought, oh, man, the sunshine is so nice out there. We will meet with God in nature, you know. <laughs> and, and so we'll just go out here and connect with his creation today. And it'll be awesome. But instead, something inside of you said, you know, instead of going to the creation, let's go to the creator. And let's go worship him in spirit and in truth. And then if we have time later, then we'll go check out the creation. And so you did that. And your kids came to know Jesus. And, and you know, it was a great day and things like that. And God is going to remember everything that you thought was so insignificant. You remember when you volunteered for that or you helped with that or you gave toward that. And yeah, you gave online. You don't even remember it or whatever. But I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I remember. And, and let me tell you something. With God, everything matters. Nothing is insignificant. Every detail of your life, everything you do is going into his memory bank. And he is the one who really matters. More important than what you are called to do is what you are called to be. More important than who you are called to Two is who you're called by. You're called by God. And, and as a result, uh, you, you begin to walk in, in the fullness of God every day of your life. Now, let's take a look at another scripture. Bring that next one up for me. It says, is that, yeah, verse 15. There we go. Uh, this is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Everyone, right? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all, Paul says. Again, I'm at the tail end of the line. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I saw a t-shirt one time that says, Do you ever think that the purpose of your life was to serve as a warning to others? That's terrible, right? That's terrible. But there's some truth to it. If you're a teenager here, okay, if you're under 20, let, let me help you. Let me help you. You don't have to be stupid on your own. No, 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 no. All you got to do is watch. Just watch some other people and, and watch them choose that. Watch them pick that. Watch them say, I'll do that. And you were thinking about doing it. Just don't do it yet. Watch. Just watch. And then you can say, oh. 
yeah, no thanks, right? I mean, you can just go so much further, so much faster if you just learn from other people's mistakes. And Paul says, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody can learn from me. If Paul can be used of God, if Paul can go from a persecutor of the church to a preacher in the church, I think God can use you. I think God could do something with your life. See, and so we've all sinned, right? I talk about this every week when, when I pray usually and ask people to commit to Christ. Even this morning, I'll, I'll say something like, you know, as we're praying this prayer, and I'll say, you know, you died on the cross for me and died for my sins, and I know I'm a sinner. I'll, I'll say something like that for you to say back, and then, but I want to start over. And, and so here's the thing. We're not mistakers, right? I don't know about you, but this is how it's worked for me. I've known what to do and didn't do it. Just flat out didn't do it. And I've known what I shouldn't do, and I did it anyway. I'm not a mistaker. I'm a sinner. A flat out sinner. And if you're not a sinner... You don't need a savior, right? I'm not a mistaker. Come on, somebody. I'm a sinner, and I needed a savior. I needed somebody who would forgive me because I don't even measure up to my own standards part of the time, let alone God's standards of holiness. No way. And so Paul says, yeah, and here's what happens. God comes into your life. God begins to work in your life, and he begins to work in your story. And all of a sudden, people are checking out your story, and they're like, that Craig, trust me, that's a God thing. He's not that good. He is not that good. And, and, and people look at you, and they say, you know, I knew Ralph. And this is like a new Ralph. This is, like, this is like somebody I've never met before. And I'm not saying Ralph's perfect now. I'm not saying Ralph's got it all together. But what I am saying is, is Ralph's not what he used to be. I don't know about you. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what all God could make of me to be. But I'm not what I used to be. And God's taking me somewhere in his power of his spirit. Are you with me on that? I, I'm going someplace because God is at work in my life. And here's what that does. That gives other people hope. Other people say, man, if he can use you, he could use me. You know, I, I believe God can work in my life. Now, here's a secondary calling. Let me speed this up. Secondary calling. In the secondary calling, your primary calling is, you know, to, to, to love God and, and surrender to Jesus every day and, and all. But then you use your time, your talent, and your resources to serve God by serving others. Now, again, this is where people can get blurry because this works anywhere. It works anywhere. It works at work. It works at school. It works in the neighborhood. It works on the ball diamond. It works anywhere and everywhere, anytime, any place. 
But here's the problem. Years ago in church world, someone or a group of someones came along and said, you know, there's the, the perfect life and then there's the permitted life. And they started using this terminology. In other words, the perfect life is if you fully surrender to God and you become a nun or a priest or a monk or something and you just resign yourself to just live your life for God 24-7. That is the perfect life, they said. And then they said, then there's the permitted life. Like if you're a farmer or you're a furniture maker or, or you're a fisherman or whatever, then, that, then that's the permitted life. But the problem with that is that is nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about the sacred and the secular as being separate. Instead, I just read this recently in reading through the Bible again, how Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, and God says, I put my spirit on this guy to sow. And I put my spirit on this guy to do metal work. And so just like I put my spirit on you, Moses, I put my spirit on this person to work with fabric. And I put my spirit on this person to work with metal and to do these other things. And see, God does this. Whether you're a teacher or a preacher or you're a person in the community working in social work or whatever it is today, any and all of those things can be used of God because everything is spiritual. You're not in and out. You know, it's like, not like, you know, I was spiritual on Sunday morning. How many of you know you need to be more spiritual on Monday morning, right? You need, that's when you really need it, you know? Because some of you, you say, hey, if you worked where I work, you know I need the spirit there more than anywhere else. And, and so Dorothy Sayers said this, I love this quote. The church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours and to come on church, come to church on Sundays. What the church, she said, should be telling him is this, that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. Isn't that good? In other words, if you're a carpenter... Here's what the Spirit of God says to you. Make some good tables. Don't make some shoddy stuff. Don't be cutting corners. Don't be making stuff that doesn't stay together. You know, you make good stuff. And whatever it is that you do, if you're a teacher, then you teach with patience and with passion those kids that come into your room. If you're an officer, then you serve and protect the community as though you were serving God himself. If you're in sales, then you'd be using that to encourage people and to bless them and to treat them with value and to not take advantage of them unnecessarily. Our primary calling is not to a job, it's to a person. And Paul later on says somewhere else that whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. When you reach out to your neighbor, you reach out as though you were Jesus himself reaching out. You are serving God in that case. And see, you already have permission and you have the power 
to do it. Let me wrap this up real quick with specific calling. Because a lot of people, you know, they think, well, I want this specific calling. You know, what should I do? Here, here's the deal. If you'll read the Bible through from cover to cover, very few people get a specific calling. Almost everybody doesn't get a specific calling. And the ones who do get a specific calling, the calling is usually go tell those people to follow me. Go tell them to get in on my primary calling and my secondary calling. That's usually what he calls people to do. I want you to go over there and tell them to follow my calling and, and to keep doing And here's the thing. If God does have a specific calling for you, here's my advice. Do the primary and the secondary calling, and you'll set the stage for God to do a specific call in your life. All right? Now, let me, let me share a story of Michael Phelps. I don't know if you saw this or not, but back a few years ago, Michael Phelps, of course, the most decorated Olympian in the world, and um, had all these gold medals and everything. And, and all of a sudden, we started getting Michael in the news. Not in a good way. Picked up for drunken driving a couple of times. Substance abuse besides. And different things going on. Michael says this in an ESPN interview. He said this. I was a train wreck, he told ESPN. I was like a time bomb waiting to go off. I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. Think of who this is speaking. There were times when I didn't even want to be here. It was not good. I felt lost. At that point in time in his life, he even, after his arrest the second time, he was sitting in his bedroom and thinking of, of committing suicide. But that's when God, but God stepped in because he had a friend, Ray Lewis, from the NFL, who reached out and gave a call at that time when he saw his friend on the news. And through their conversation, Lewis was able to convince Phelps to seek out help, which he did, but he also gave him a copy of Pastor Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. After checking into that facility, he began reading it, and it wasn't long before Phelps called Lewis up and said, man, you saved my life. I started believing there was a power greater than myself, and there is a purpose for me on this planet. He even got restored to his estranged father during this process because success had gotten the best of him. Can you imagine? He had everything that the world would say. You are success. You are awesome. You are amazing. But he didn't feel that way. Because see, let me tell you something. You can get to the pinnacle of your profession. You can get to whatever. You can drive whatever it is that you wished all along in life you could drive. You could live wherever you always said, I want to live there. Or, and you can reach all that you can reach. You can make all the money you want to make. And you can be all there. And trust me, Phelps will tell you, you can sit in your bedroom and still feel lost. And feel like, is this all there is? But I've got news for you. 
what Michael Phelps found, you can find today, and that there is more. There is more than money. There's more than riches. There's more than fame. There's more than stuff. Stuff that the world has to offer. It's all stuff. And let me tell you something. There is something more. There is a God who wants to use your life, even the mistakes that you've made, just like he's using Michael Phelps' mistake to help me preach this message today. He can use your life to touch and reach someone else. Never say that my life doesn't matter, that I don't count, that I'm just here by accident. You are here by divine destiny. There is a God who has a call on your life and that call is more than just a specific thing it is to know him to surrender to him and to use your gifts talents abilities for his honor and glory and when you put your life in his hands your life will have meaning like it's never ever had before let's pray father we thank you that in your presence today we can find purpose and meaning in life. But it's not just for us, God. There are people like Michael Phelps out there. Some of us work with them. Some of us, they're our, our neighbor. There are students at our school that are lost, that are, that are finding no hope in this world. But God, we know there is hope in you. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I want God to use me to reach somebody else. I want him to use every gift, every talent, every ability that he's given to me. I want him to use my story. I want him to use my life to reach someone else, to make a difference in someone's life, to maybe invite someone to Easter that I've never invited before. Whatever it is for you, if you want to commit yourself to that, will you just join me in raising your hand up toward God right now and just say, yes, yes, I want God to use my life. If he can use anything, I want him to use me. Father in heaven, you see all the hands going up in this room. And I pray that you will use every person. God, there's a family member. There's a friend. There's a co-worker. There's someone right across the aisle. There's someone down the hall. There's someone on the other end of the phone. There's someone that we can reach. There's someone that you want us to impact with our story. And the difference you've made in our story can make a difference in their story. So God, use us this week to make that impact to make to be that person right at the right spot to be like a Paul to a Timothy to encourage them and to speak life into them maybe you're here today and you say Craig I'm the one that feels lost I feel lost I, I don't I, I I feel like Michael Phelps like what's the point of life and there's times when I